Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pendola Project. As always, I'm your host, Matt Pendola. Today, I have a couple very special guests. We have Grace Angso and Sophia Angso. These are the Wonder Twins. Activate. They started with me way back in high school when, well, they're just kids. They didn't have any hamstrings. That's why you guys came in, right? Exactly. That's, that's why I love how we're <laughs> laughing about the same joke over and over again, but it never gets old. And no, you girls definitely needed to work on strength. You ended up using that strength to become phenomenal volleyball players through your high school career and through your college career. So we can talk about that a little bit more, but mainly just we'll talk about what got you into volleyball, why you got started in the first place, what was your why for the sport, and then we'll talk a little bit more about training and what you learned from the sport and the experience itself. So Grace Angso, nice to have you here. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Um, so why our why for the sport of volleyball? Um, we tried all kinds of activities always growing up and, uh, volleyball was the one that we never wanted to miss. It was the one we always wanted to be at. We always wanted to be our best at it. I mean, we, you always want to be your best, but if there was a volleyball practice or a tournament or something, it was, that was always priority over any of our other activities and we did everything. And so we had a lot of points of reference to compare it to like, do I like it more than soccer? Do I like it more than basketball? And it was always yes. Like that was always the one we wanted to commit to. And so when it came time for us to kind of specialize in that, that was a pretty obvious decision for us. I like it. What about you, Sophia? What got you into volleyball? Anything to add to that? Um, I think it was just the, the pace, how much we loved it. And I mean, we were among our people. We're a little tall, but um, (laughs) we walked into, I remember the first time we walked into a, a convention center and we were watching the festival at the time that was in town or far westerns or one of them with my dad um and we were looking around and i saw all of this and i was watching these games and i was thinking this this is what i want to do i want to be a part of this i want to be a part of this culture and um what these girls were doing and they were all strong and powerful and awesome and having fun clearly um but it was just this energy and this environment that i wanted to be in all the time I love it. That's, and I say I love it too because I love you girls as athletes, as people. It couldn't be, in my mind, a better story, a better result. Uh, you know, for me to have a daughter that is going to be involved in sport and stay active and stay focused, but in positive ways, keeping busy in these ways is also, I think, very, very important. And so when we first met, though, you girls were 14 years old and I loved the attitude, the competitive spirit you both had right from the get-go. So I had these athletes, the Maylanders, who were phenomenal. They they ended up even representing the U.S. in uh, volleyball as well. They were really good overall athletes, had some good track accolades as well in track and field. But you looked at their records in my gym and you said, I'm going to beat that. And what I also just found tremendous was that this was before you had really gotten training in to get strong enough to even think about beating these records. But I think more of it was, hey, why shouldn't I be able to beat those records? They're there to be beaten, right? 
What what got you to that kind of a mindset with that kind of confidence? Where is that from family? Is that is that something you learned? Is that culture? What is that? Yeah, I think it was a family. I guess the way we're brought up. I mean, childhood in our house was kind of a war zone. I mean, we had an older brother, and uh, we used to. My dad always had a strict, like, had a rule in our house that Soph and I always wanted to play with our older brother and his friends and our cousins, and it was, okay, you can go play with the boys, but you don't get to come cry to me like a girl. You, like, when they, if they hurt you or if they beat you at something or if they're being competitive, like, you wanted to do it. You wanted to play with them, so you got to buck up and you got to do it. And I, that just kind of bled over into everything. Anything, Anytime we were doing anything, we had to show up to the best of our ability at all times. That's important. And I, I, as a father, I'm listening to this and taking notes, right? This is, and again, I love interviewing. Sometimes I have parents of athletes on here. I love learning from these stories and these examples because there is that mindset. I think you called it um, lawnmower parenting, yeah. right? So the, the lawnmower parent, we have... We have the helicopter parent that everyone likes to talk about, and that's the one that hover and um, try and just be over-involved. But now, especially us with being teachers and just in life that you have watched it evolve, that it's become this lawnmower parent where there can't be any obstacle in your way, and there can't be any challenge to this kid, or there can't be anything that's going to potentially set them back or hurt them or hurt their feelings or whatever it is, and they need to clear it out of the way completely, as opposed to those important lessons that are you need to overcome it and you need to man up sometimes and you need to accept the fact that you're going to lose, you're going to learn and you're going to move on. That's excellent. So really, I think the next part that people might be interested in knowing is how you get that type of commitment, how you get that kind of fortitude to really work for you in a culture like volleyball, where you have to work with others, you have to Teammates, obviously, are a big part of the success. So not just yourselves being driven, but also kind of bringing your team to that level, too, without forcing it, but at the same time cultivating it. And all I know is that before I knew it, I was training your entire team, and you guys went on to win state as a team. When I say your entire team, I was training more like the starters, but I think you girls were a big reason for that. Essentially, I think we'll, we can talk about that balance and how you were able to cultivate that because I did see you two as the leaders for your team walking that careful line of inspiration but without having that sort of resentment even that a lot of times I think is uh, it's, it's, it's a hard line to, to walk, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you want to be able to raise up the people around you without knocking them down in the process. Um, and I think that we just had a rare group where th our, we had a like goal. We wanted to win state. And some of those girls on our team had the – we wanted to play in college, and there were other girls on the team who didn't. And we all knew what each other's goals were, and we respected that. But only as long as you were willing to help me – attain the goal that we had put in front of us and that was a state championship we wanted to win that and we all agreed like that is our goal for this year and if you had asked us people would see us in the hallway at school and they would say like oh how's volleyball we're like oh we're gonna win state we would l literally say that to people I mean it might seem obnoxious but that was just the mantra we had for ourselves that was our goal and that's there was no stopping us um I also think we had sort of a an environment of mutual respect and not in the sense that we I didn't expect 
one of my teammates to be Grace. I didn't expect her to bring the same things to the table. That was just, that was un, that's completely unrealistic. What I expected was for you to bring the best that you had all the time because I was going to bring the best that I had. And so as long as we mutually were going to do that together, then there was just this unspoken respect and friendship and bond because we you play up to your strengths, I'll play up to mine, and we're going to make it work. And you girls both, you did a lot of training on your own with me. When I say on your own, the two of you would come in and work with me individually. And then you also did training with the team. And I know that with the team, it was more for that that culture and, and, and really to help each other along. And you never you never sacrificed any of that. You you showed up for everything, even though I think you both know that you were making a little bit more of a sacrifice at times. And let's talk a little bit about your training itself, especially the differences individually with you two, because I found interesting that even to this day, you're both look still phenomenal. You're fit. You're healthy. Most important thing is that. You're living a lifestyle even today that's more about health first and fitness. And I'm very proud of that, like a proud papa. But you are also telling me that you still train differently for the different attributes and biomechanics that each of you have, even though you're twins. And that made me really smile because that means that you were really paying attention. So how was your training different? Let's discuss that a little bit. And that's where I think listeners can really benefit because a lot of times they're just following a training program that works for so-and-so. And this is a perfect example. Even with twins, you might have some different specificity there, right? So, Grace, starting with you, what was your training like? What did you emphasize? What did you concentrate on? Um, so my training was slightly different than Soph's in a way that I am much more of a power athlete than Sophia is. Soph is strength. That's her strength. Mine is power. Um, so when we were in here, you're a big proponent of you're only as strong as your weakness. And so a lot of people like to go in the gym and work out what they're best at. So if they've got great legs, they work out their legs constantly, and then they ignore everything else. But um, for me, you put an emphasis on my strength. That's what we were going to work on because that was my weaker side. And so I would do more weight for less reps than Sophia and everything we did, which does make it harder on you for your job, and that's why you're the best in the business. Um, we could have easily just done the same thing as each other always, but no, it was I was focusing on strength, so I did more weight, fewer reps. Nice. And I think that was sort of, it would have been good enough, and we actually absolutely still probably would have been successful doing the same routine, the same workouts and all that. Um, however, it's that last 1% that you want to get to, and it's that last, like, the best that you can be um and so that was that was the goal but I remember sometimes that Matt would be like all right so if you're, you're muscling that one like you need because I would be going for time and it would be like those med ball hip thrusts against the walls and he's like stop muscling it with your arms because I know you can get as fast as Grace with those uh, but you need to use your hips and your whole body in the rotation and it would be like those little moments where you're going to cheat it because you're going to play up your strength and so it was really slowing it down or not necessarily in speed but just like breaking it down and emphasizing you're going to do more reps with slightly less weight check the ego um because you need to get better at recruiting all of these things all at one time and so it was it was sort of that thing of instead of just lumping us together and not comparing us necessarily but um 
differentiating. Yeah, so it amazes me the details that you remember in these stories. It's it's great. And so let's talk about grit for a second, because I think that's become sort of a word almost synonymous with, like, you know how functional training is now just the word everybody uses, but the training really isn't that functional. So grit, right? You know, what is grit to to us as athletes? How do we stay with that consistent fortitude day after day because I just gave it away. That really is grit to me, right? It's not just that one moment where you're willing to suffer. That's, you know, anybody can do that. I think it's about keeping that consistency up and also sometimes just sucking it up and doing the work even when Maybe you don't necessarily want to, or as you mentioned before, working on weaknesses instead of just playing up your strengths all the time, as you mentioned, Sophia, with leaving the ego at the door and saying, okay, yeah, I'm not going to just muscle through this, but I'm going to chop this down or break this up into chunks to where I can get my body to function. There's that word right? For better form. And so I can develop better skill sets. So again, you know, we have to leave the ego at the door and we have to really work on some things that maybe we don't feel like we want to work on, but we know we should. So how do we develop that type of grit girls? I'll let you go first. I think, um, for us, what was helpful? I mean, as much as intrinsic motivation has to be developed, we also had the privilege of having external motivation. Um, our parents, it was always a discussion that what we were able to do as far as playing club volleyball and especially coming here, it was a privilege and it was something that was kind of a gift. It's not something that you're entitled to at all. And we were only going to be able to have that privilege if we were going to show up every single day, a hundred percent. Cause my, our parents would have check-ins with you and they'd say, Hey, like, are they doing what you're asking? And even with us, like if we weren't a hundred percent in it, there are far better ways that you can spend or far different ways that my parents probably envisioned them spending their money and time than going over the hill for volleyball tournaments or having us come here. Like there's, they made a tremendous amount of sacrifice for us to do that. And it was a respect for us to show up here every day as hard as we could to appreciate that sacrifice that they were making for us to invest in us. And if they're going to invest in us, we better invest in us. Yes. And, I, you know, just to jump in real quick, I remember talking to your mom one time and she told me, she said, you know what, Matt, we talked to the girls about this commitment and then the financial commitment as well that we're making. The girls would rather come and train with you than get the new designer jeans. And I was always really impressed with that. I'll never forget that. And the next time you girls walked in, I was just like, I always respected you as athletes, but it was like that much more. I, I realizing that you had made those kind of sacrifices and to give your parents credit though, I know they could have afforded both. They just chose to have you make a decision so that you would learn that lesson. Right. Yeah. I think on top of obviously that knowing and appreciating um, what you're doing and what your body can do and what you can do personally. Um, I think it was the micro goals and or not so much like micro they were big deals but they were they were the periodic check-ins so it's easy to have these long-term goals and sort of get lost because you're like well I want to play in college well I was 14 years old so college is four years away um and so 
or just along the way that was like, okay, three more years. Okay. Two more years. And so it's easy to just sort of get burnt out or lose your way almost a little bit, but it was those little moments. Like when you have the hardest day in the world in this gym. Um, and I feel like there were a lot of moments where we would finish with a drill or an activity or whatever we were doing that we had done months prior um, or even like weeks prior or whatnot, just to see the difference, just to see that what you were doing does pay off if you buy in and if you're, and if you have the grit and if you're willing to just really um, invest and then you would see, you're like, oh gosh, I'm doing all of these different things day in, day out. And then you would do this one drill and your time would be different or your height would be different or the weight you were doing for faster time would be different. And just all of these things that you're like, oh God, like there it is. There's that moment where it's like what I'm doing every day matters it's not going to matter that night the night that you did that but it will matter weeks down the road or it'll matter months down the road so it was like those little mini check-ins of like a yep here it is i'm doing it i'm showing up and it's paying off i remember we were talking earlier about how form follows function and i remember how this was not sexy enough in other words there was a lot of athletes that were sort of poo-pooing the training and I remember looking at you two and thinking okay if they can do it and they're mature enough to see that these targets are going to eventually lead them to a better outcome and that is part of the process to do your protocol daily and to focus on I would say the supportive strength a lot more than anything else, especially in the beginning, so that you can have those bells and whistles and you can achieve these things athletically and functionally that will support your goals. But again, there seemed to be a shift where now there's some athletes with a lot of talent, but they weren't willing to work as hard as you girls, but they wanted that same state title. They wanted the same success. And I I know that you both have some pretty strong opinions about that. But for people listening, especially if you have an upcoming athlete or if you are somebody yourself that wants to achieve these higher standards, what is your opinion on the devil in the details kind of training versus the bells and whistles that a lot of people seem to just jump to? Why should you take it, uh, I think, in more micro steps and really do that daily protocol as opposed to just jumping in and doing the sexy stuff now? I think that the long-term payoff for doing those daily things is what it's all about. I understand that, yeah, what's hip and now and the big sexy moves and all that is what is going to look good in that moment. But if you want resilience and you want endurance and you want a long lasting result it takes a long time putting in that work you only get out of something what you put into it and like I as far as all those little like every day that I bought in paid off in the longevity of my career I can't tell you how many people get injured when they get to the collegiate level they get worn down their joints their bodies their muscles and they just don't last And I played every single set of my college career. I have the record at the University of Nevada for most sets played. And I attribute that to all of the little work or the little things I did along the way. I would not have lasted through rolled ankles or just 
the length of a season and everything you put your body through without having put in the time and the foundation to build up to that. That was the end result of all of my hard work. Yeah, when when we were talking about the Miyagi style of training, keeping things more basic and just really getting the fundamentals down, then you were required to do some testing when you got to college. And I'll ask you, Sophia, what was that was like? But I know that you girls were talking about how even doing new lifts, because you had the basics down so well, you could execute new lifts without any issues. So what's your what's your experience with, with that? What would you tell athletes about getting in their Miyagi training first? So it absolutely is in the details. And because once you um, have those down and once you know what they feel like and what they should feel like, you're able to apply that to whatever it is someone's telling you to do. So that example where you're going into Nevada and we had this Iron Woman testing is what it was called, and you had certain lifts and you got certain points for how much weight you could throw around. Well, freshmen weren't allowed to do any of the Olympic lifts because there was just the assumption that they didn't know how to do them correctly um, until the trainers out there got their hands on you. Um, but even without any of those, so half the events, we scored as Iron Women. So we doubled the points of the other girls, essentially, on the events we were able to do because we were so functional at them. Um, and I knew I could get the number of reps or dips or whatever it was. Um, but when it did come time to do the Olympic lifts, the, it was a power clean day. And he said, well, you need, like, careful, you don't know how to do this or you don't know how to do this. And I, I just looked at him and I said, no, but I know how to do each one of those separate moves properly. And so I can put them together to do them right all at once. I love it. I love it. I love it. That th- I just – Love the way you just said that. It's a perfect way to explain why it's important to get the basics down. Now you can build anything. Now you have the foundation, right? And when it comes to, we're going to talk a little bit about Division One now, okay? So I know you're both beyond that, and so it's okay. I think we can uh, we can talk about some of these things and give maybe other people an idea about what Division One aspirations is really like. Is that really better for you than Division Two or Three? Which I know with your experience, we'll start with you, Sophia, that you ended up making a different decision there. So let's talk about that and why. I did, and I think it's easy when you're looking at D1s and these big schools and you see all the fancy gear and the schedules and you see all, them all on TV and all these things. It's easy to get to get wooed by that. Um, I would say it's great, and it's a great experience, and if you can do it, that's awesome. It needs to be more than your sport. Um, The school needs to be a good fit. The environment needs to be a good fit. All of these things, and I hate to say I I loved it, and I loved my experience Um, early at Nevada. Things changed. We got a new coach. It was no longer the right fit for me as a total experience. Um, It was really hard for me to leave Grace, and it was really sad, but for myself, I needed – to step out of my comfort zone and I needed a change and that change wasn't going to be to another division one for a lot of reasons one you're sort of an employee almost and you need to sort of um, wrap your head around that but in addition to that there's transfer rules and all of those things but I ended up it was a it was a blessing actually because I ended up up in Idaho and I loved my teammates I loved my coach I got a family um, that I got to spend time with up there and it was just more of a, a total experience for me that I needed to spread my wings and do on my own. And I was, we were talking about this earlier. It was the first time I'd ever gone somewhere and they didn't know me as an Anxo twin (laughs) or as a package deal or whatever, or having this person that was sort of like built in with me. Um, And so it was sort of my time 
to just identify myself and grow as a person, as an athlete, as a student, as whatever it was I wanted to do. Um, and it was important for me that I went on to do that somewhere else. Yeah. And you also had some, a little bit more attention, I think too, when you went to this program, right? So I'm not saying that's in every case, but in this case, I think a slightly different program was really your fit. Right. And actually at this program, I, our entire starting lineup were actually girls who had transferred from D1 schools that I played against too. Um, so we all recognized each other, but it was sort of all of us needed this experience. And we, we liked the recognition we got there, but we liked the camaraderie and we liked the experience that we had there together. Um, and it was just a specific cool thing that we had. Right. And Grace, what was it like for you now you were playing without your sister and finishing up your career at uh, UNR? And of course, we can be politically correct, but we won't be, right? What was the struggles there? Because I know that you struggled with some things that I feel like you you probably had your back to the wall a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, so I had a unique and experience um a coaching change occurred and um instead of I was the one returning all rotation starter at that time I started every game of my career and instead of trying to build off of this foundation with this new coach and a new path ahead of us um I was kind of put in a position where I was told essentially you're never going to see the floor next year and I was the only player at the time who had seen the floor that year and I just thought, what a negative – I left there with such a negative feeling. But also, with all of the things that I developed and the confidence I developed in myself through all of our time here and my just personality and my competitiveness, I was not going to let that fly. I'm like, oh, you think I'm not going to play next year? All right. Let's Why do you think – watch you try and bench me next year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that championship mindset is just, it's so important. Took you through that experience and you came out the other side even stronger. But wh- why? Why were they uh, trying to get you off the floor? What, what was the deal there? I honestly think that there was some resentment. I mean, it was the similar situation for a couple other players who came from similar backgrounds that I did in similar positions that I was in. And I just happened to be a current starter and I just wasn't going to let it happen. I don't care if you resent who I am, where I come from, what I look like. You're not going to take away an opportunity that I've earned for myself. And I mean, earned like clawed my way into that position. And I wasn't going to let anybody take that away from me. And And you essentially made yourself too valuable. I made myself irreplaceable. Exactly. And that's what I wanted people to hear because, you know, we, we are not helpless. We have the ability to change the story, but I think in those moments, it is easy to give up and to quit, but you have to double down sometimes and just get back to that grit mindset we talked about before. And just knowing that I'm going to focus now on what I can do and how I can be an asset and valuable. And I'm not going to let them take me off the floor because it would be suicide for the team, right? I think an important thing to note too, as an athlete who goes to the next level or, or in any athlete in general, um, once you're in the door and once they have you, their job is now 
to get someone better than you or to replace you or to out recruit you and it's not a personal thing it's just they've done their job they got you they've built this program they've they've made it better now because you're in the door and that's a compliment to you but now they're thinking how do I replace her or how do I replace him um, you need to know and that's the other thing with grit and checking in is you need to know that you're constantly in competition and you constantly are going to have someone who could potentially walk in that door who's going to be naturally better than you but it's the work you're going to put in to not let that happen that's a great detail right there because I don't think a lot of people do think of it that way and it's easy to take it personally when you're they're trying to replace you but you just said it well that is kind of part of the process isn't it and instead of taking that personally you say okay I helped to make this program better but now I have to prove that I should still have this spot that's that's a really good way to think of it now Grace you you're a mom now mm-hmm. yes I am six month old little girl lover <laughs> <laughs> and you love her huh that's good oh, God. that's good <laughs> I never I, you always hear like it's a love you'll never know until you have one and it's so true Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you've been married a few years as well. Four. Going on four in November. And your your husband is actually... He's deployed. Yeah, my husband's active duty, and so he's not here. So he left when Sloan was about a month old, and he'll come back when she's about nine months. Man, that's that's tough, but we yeah. appreciate his his service. Yeah, we knew it signing up, so he's absolutely. just taking it in stride. And, uh, and he's a... He he's a doctor, right? Doctor, yes. So he's he's overseas helping out with that in that capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's wonderful. And for you now, with with your career, let's talk about how in your adult life now, how you use some of these tools and your experiences to be the best mom you can be, and just to be a good overall example and somebody who contributes to the community. Because I know that that is the legacy and the life that you two lead at this point. Man, I think that I actually had a really glaring moment of how the struggles you put yourself through and like really digging deep benefits you in the long run. And um, I was blessed actually with a wonderfully healthy pregnancy and delivery and everything was great. But I remember talking to the doctor and they asked, oh, you seem tall, you seem fit, like are you an athlete? And I explained that I played D1 volleyball and they said, oh my gosh this will not be the hardest thing you've ever had to put yourself through. Like you're not going to be a stranger to digging deep to a point of discomfort and being uncomfortable. And that was a moment for me. I'm like, you're right. Like I absolutely have pushed myself through hard things. Like I can dig to a point, like I know that I'll survive and I will be on the other side. And I know that I can push myself to do what I have to do. And that goes with everything. I mean, anytime I was in a hard class or I was when I'm in my job and I'm having a particularly difficult day, I know that like this is not the hardest thing I'll ever have to do, and it's not the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I can see the other side, and I'll get myself to the other side. And that's when I'm having a really – when I had a newborn, and she was up all night, and I had to – you have the next day. Like, you can't just go to sleep. You've got this human depending on you. And so you just – like, you just bear down, and you get through it, and you know that you're going to survive. And you just always do. You, you can appreciate what your mom, Yvonne, did. <laughs> oh. Twins and a two and a half year old. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> Love, right? Yeah. And commitment and fortitude and grit, right? But uh, what a, for you, Sophia? Uh, you were just saying before the podcast that you're kind of getting into mountain biking and <laughs> oh, God. 
And I love, I have to share this and embarrass her, but she's oh, talking thanks. about how she's going up mountain biking with all these guys and stuff. And I'm thinking uh, you, you guys can take a look at their uh, picture to podcast photo, but uh, the, 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 the twins will definitely have some followers going up that mountain. <laughs> there's not a question that uh, there's some motivation for them to go biking with Sophia, but uh, you're out there biking with oh, the boys goodness. up the mountain. <laughs> I, I sufficiently embarrassed you. That's good. And uh, and so, Sophia, tell us a little bit about how your journey has been and what you're doing now and how, again, you're using the lessons you learned to have new experiences and how to be independent the way you are. I love the way that, you know, you don't need a man. You don't. <laughs> Thanks, you're, you know, you might be oblivious to all the guys trying to bike up the hill with you and impress you and stuff, but you don't need a man. And that's great. So talk a little bit about where you're at now and in, in your mindset and your goals. Um, I think a big thing with being an athlete my whole life, I sort of, I missed that um, getting better at something. I missed the improving. I missed, I missed having an activity that I could challenge myself with both mentally, physically, all of those things, because I mean, I could play volleyball for fun once in a while, but it was like that daily challenge. Um, and so I did get out of my comfort zone and I started something that I've wanted to start for a long time. And I, I finally did, but it's, it's a reality check being bad at something. Um, and knowing that you have to break it down again and get technical and, again, with the whole muscling, with the strength that I, I have strong legs, um, thankfully. And so I can, I can make do with a lot of it, like the, the brutal uphill, um, or wanting to quit halfway through and you're like, God, this sucks. Like just like pedaling your butt up a hill, no matter how many times you do it, or no matter how like much fun it is on the downhill, all the, it sucks. <laughs> and then, but when you get to the top and then you get the, the fun downhill, you realize like that's, that's that little reward that you were getting periodically in those other activities. Um, but I think it's, it's the importance to find things and to get comfortable being uncomfortable, like Grace said, um, or to have those moments where you get you get to see personal growth. And I think that's so important. Like you can't just be good at it, good at things all the time, and you can't stick with things that you're good at. Um, you need to just push yourself in every aspect of your life, or you need to push yourself to get better, um, because that's where you, the real reward comes in. Is it hard as athletes? You had a lot of attention on you for a long time. And people are coming to cheer for you, and you you had you were pretty big names here around Reno, especially. But everyone was really kind of following your careers. You both had stellar high school and collegiate careers. Is it kind of a letdown? Is it hard afterwards to just you you mentioned before, like, well, what's my new goal? What's my new challenge? And where is this coming from anymore? Where do I find motivation? Was that hard to do? Yeah, I spent a little bit of time going in a direction. I was I was pursuing PA school actually for a little bit, and I think it was one of those things where you get enough of that that extrinsic motivation where everyone was like, "You would be a great PA. You would be great in the healthcare field. You would be good, good, good." And it's and it's that feedback that you're like, "Oh, okay." Like you enjoyed getting that um, in your sport and growing up. That it was almost like I wasn't checking how I was feeling internally about it um, because you were getting that motivation that we were getting when we were competing or stuff as silly as that sounds to compare them. Um, but I finally had a moment where I didn't love what I was doing. I didn't love my direction. I didn't love work like I loved my playing my sport or volleyball or any of those things. It wasn't something that I was really passionate about. It was something I felt like I should do because people told me I should. Um, and then that's when I flipped back to, well, what did I initially, what was my initial goal coming into this? And that was to be a teacher. Um, and then, I switched back to that and I love what I do and I love my job and I love all of those things and I get that gratification again, but I lost that for a while and it was, it was hard to figure out 
what I needed personally um, again and how I was going to feel good doing what I was doing. Yeah, when you're so, you know, talented and you have a lot of ability and, of course, you both are very academic and you, you're everything that you're trying to do, you're very good at it. And so it reminds me of my wife, Erin, where seems like most things that she does people are telling you telling her yeah you should you should do that you should do you know she did martial arts and then she was a black belt in you know the the amount of athleticism she had but then well you should do jujitsu now and you should do you know you should get into more of these other aspects and she's like yeah sure i'll you know i'll do that but again is that really what you should be doing just because you're pretty good at it right or just be even if you're very good at it is it something that you really want to do? And so I love that you shared that. Now, myself, I'm only good at one thing, so it's very easy for me. I don't know what that's like. Um, and I'm still trying to find out what that one thing is, by the way. But <laughs> with you, Grace, I uh, crack myself up. Yeah, always. I uh, Actually, yeah, I mean, you definitely have a little bit of an identity crisis when you get done with this world that you were so immersed in and you did get a lot of – yeah, like extrinsic motivation and just validation from it. And, yeah, I mean, you definitely have to find your next niche. And I have my husband to thank for that. Like he and I just really kind of sat down and thought, like, what do we see for our future? And I've always wanted to be a mom. I always knew that that was my end goal, that I just – that was what I really wanted to aspire to be. And he and I – had a mutual goal in mind like I thought that becoming a teacher I knew I would love it I always wanted to be a teacher and I knew that it would give he and I the opportunity to have the lifestyle that we want like I'm staying at home with Sloan now and I love every minute of it I love the opportunity that I have to just be her mom and I hate when people say like just be a mom I mean it's one of the hardest most thankless jobs but <laughs> god bless our moms and uh he and I both wanted that for our future, for our kids. And so we set our, a goal together to find that. And so now I'm the mom that I want to be, and I have a wonderful supporting husband. And if I want to go back to teaching later on, we've both talked about me having that opportunity. But right now, me being the best mom I can be is at the forefront of my mind and our minds, and it's what's best for us and our family. And so that that's my job and that's my goal and I wake up every day aspiring to be the best mom I can be and so that's my new motivation just a quick question and, I, and we're going to wrap this up because I know you got to get back to Sloan I do have to get home to the baby <laughs> so uh, a quick question though is your husband similar to your dad yes <laughs> everybody has always said Kevin and my dad are very similar and I think it also makes sense because my dad and I have always had a special bond and I'm very similar to my dad. And so Kevin and I kind of understand and we speak the same language as each other. We're both extremely competitive. You do not want to play a board game with us. It is not healthy. Like Kevin will say, Grace, you got to chill a little bit. Like this, we're not winning anything here. But um, I, he and I just know how to motivate each other. And we know that we need things for, and we know how to communicate to each other how to, like what we want in our futures. And we both know how, like we just wrote out a five-year, like what an ideal day looks like for us, what an ideal month looks like for us, what our five-year plan, like where do we see ourselves in five years? Where do we see ourselves in 10 years to make sure that we're setting ourselves up to see, like make sure our goals are aligned and make sure that we are going to be where we want to be for our family. And that's how we've been filling our time while he's in deployment. Like when we FaceTime or we email, that's what we did is we came up with our 
five and ten year plans. Wow. Like I'm Aaron's still trying to get me to fill out my weekly calendar with her. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to get me in so much trouble because she's editing this podcast. Sophia, I think when you asked, I have to give you an outside perspective. When you asked if Grace's husband's like my dad, I remember the first time she's like, well, you're going to you're going to meet Kevin and. I'll be curious to see what you think, because obviously Grace and I know each other better than anyone, and um, it was like the first time that she was nervous about me meeting a guy, and so I was like, oh, oh this is a big I deal. Um, she, yeah, because Grace knew he was the one, and so she wanted me to like him, um, and I did instantly met him, felt at home with him, it was comfortable, and he definitely, he made Grace the Grace that I knew and brought out the best version in, in her, but um, she, wa- uh. she when he left, she's like, so what do you think? And I was like... Well, you're dating dad. So naturally, <laughs> naturally, I love the guy. And then she's like, I'm not dating dad. And then the next time he comes around, and this time he was around my dad, and then they separated and they walked away. And Grace's like, oh, God, I'm dating dad. <laughs> so it does happen. So Mia's going to meet a future Mapandola. Well, you know, <laughs> I was, that's, was going to say, you know, obviously your dad's a good man, and he's got sound morals and structure and – you know, it takes two. Obviously, your mom and dad have really Rock created stars. a special. Yeah, they are. They're they're all star parents, and I do try to do my best to to model that and to also just think to myself, what kind of example am I being as a father? Because I I do think a lot of times, you know, your your daughter's going to grow up to marry someone like dad. And, you know, I, it might be a little bit stereotypical, but I think that is something that they naturally gravitate towards a little bit more too. So I try to keep that in mind, but that's what I was curious about because I will finish my part with this, but I went to your wedding, Grace, and I don't even know if I really told you this, but years ago I was at a coaches conference and we're talking about just being the best coach you can be and serving your athletes. And he said, you know, look, this particular coach had won several national titles and really well-renowned and known and, He said, listen, that is obviously a great outcome. But more importantly, he said, I get invited to my athletes' weddings. And that is the most important thing to me. And I just, that always stuck with me. And so getting invited to your wedding, that meant everything to me. I better get invited to yours, Sophia. <laughs> well, when one we you got to let one of those boys catch you <laughs> up the hill, though. First, that's the problem. You don't understand. You can't stay. You can't stay ahead of them and beat them every day. You got to let them catch you once in a while. <laughs> I think that yeah. I mean, we had such an awesome like having the opportunity to have you in our lives in such foundational years like in fundamental years I mean we had so many great male role models in our lives and that helped me find the husband that I have now like Kevin is an amazing role model he'll be one to Sloan and I have you and my dad and all of the wonderful men as great examples in our lives to thank for that like that you guys instilled confidence and just always made so and I know that we were worth your time and your effort and just instilled such a level of love and confidence in us and so we're eternally grateful for that well thank yeah, you i know right before this you're like so why are you saying are you picky i'm like well probably because <laughs> of all you people <laughs> so <laughs> thanks there's not very many of you okay <laughs> that's a good thing that's a good thing stay picky stay picky so okay i'm gonna finish the podcast with one question so if you can answer first and you give it to grace and we'll finish this off but so there's that 14-year-old girl out there listening. Mm-hmm. 
what would you tell her that you know now that you wish you had known then about your journey? What is it that you could give as advice to that 14-year-old girl or just, you know, that younger athlete? You know, what, what would you say? Um, I think it's easy to get lost in the noise. Um, like when people are – when you're in here and you're working out and you're getting – criticism or when you're getting criticism from your coach it's easy to just hear the noise as opposed to hear the message of I'm so frustrated or I'm so mad at you or I'm I'm so mad because I know you can be doing this and I know you can do this so I'm gonna I'm gonna know it and I'm gonna want it until you do it for yourself you know and it's it's that moment of that the people around you are so important and the people that are supporting you are there because they know you can do it and so you just have to have the confidence in yourself and you have to, and you just have to try and you have to try your best all the time because they can't do that part for you. That's going to be tough to top there, Grace. Oh man. Um, I think that something that especially young female athletes never make apologies for going for what you want. There's always going to be a friend on the other side of the net. But I can tell you I never found an opponent I didn't hate in that moment. And that's not to say I played some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. But from the start of the game to the end of the game, they are not my friend. They are my adversary. They are the person I am there to beat. More importantly, I'm there to beat myself and every expectation I have for myself. We can be friends after. And I'm going to love you and I'm going to be friends with you. But me being your friend, I don't need to apologize for my successes to do that. So don't apologize for going for what you want if you're not going to fight for you nobody else is so go for it like you've only got one life you've only got one opportunity if you're not going to invest in yourself nobody else will so yeah well i was talking to an athlete the other day that i think was uh came in here because of you girls and i was saying like look when it came to competition it's a shark in the water and there's blood and that is the difference. But when the competition is over, let's let's go out and uh, have a milkshake and enjoy ourselves and let's have some fun. So, you know, th- that is a great point and that's a great way to finish off the podcast. Thank you, girls, for coming in. You are amazing. Thank you for having us. We loved being here. It's been a long time coming wanting to get you girls in here. And, yeah, you two really are the superstars of Pandola training i'll say now that i am living the legacy that i've always wanted to live it really did start with athletes like you two and you were really at the forefront of that i don't think the gym would have had the success it did had you not the two of you not really i think you brought pendola training up a few notches if you will and that really helped me to realize my legacy and what I could do for athletes and what I could learn and how I could be better. You two challenged me all the time to get better, to be that coach you thought I was. Cause I, I, I think I just was faking it pretty well for a while. <laughs> and, uh, and I really do want to sincerely thank you for that because I really think the, I pinch myself now with the life I get to live, but I wouldn't have gotten to that point if I didn't have the buy-in and the belief and even when it wasn't the popular thing, you two always defended the training. And, you know, it's really training is like, uh, especially in different gyms and having these different sort of strategies that or 
I think it's really just a popular thing to be able to get into training that has more bells and whistles for a while, but then there's something new that comes in. And you girls never wavered from Pandola training, and you always stuck to your guns on what worked, and that really helped me tremendously to grow my beliefs and my brand, if you will. And so despite what you could have done or where else you could have gone, you never did. You always stayed loyal. And uh, I appreciate that forever, girls. So thank you both. Thank you, thank you for your time and love. So yeah, do it. You made it easy. It's easy to wear the shirt and be the spokespeople when you know it works. So I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Yeah, man. Yeah, man.